Hello and welcome to the unofficial unsanctioned women's UCI cycling show. My name is Dan and with me as always to discuss, I, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you this time, an absolute metric shit ton of racing. Here's my good friend, Sarah. <laughs> How are you, Sarah? I'm all right. Have you got over the Olympics? You didn't really do the Olympics oh, in the way that I did the Olympics, did yeah. you? Yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that we have different, different, um, you know, metaphysical approaches, metaspiritual, something, something sort of approaches to the Olympics. I enjoyed everything I needed to enjoy about the Olympics, um, which took me less time than it took you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of like coming up for air after doing a, a, a huge amount of work and doing and 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 the Olympics. And I'm like, whoa, is that what daylight looks like? <laughs> well, to be fair, you do also live in England. So, you know, it's not like you see direct sunshine all that often as it is. Uh, hey, just out of curiosity, what temperature is it there right now? Oh, I don't know. Well, ah. Goodness is with you because it's winter with you. Anyway, Dan, he's so funny. So, sure. um, so we have got so much, and I am literally going to promise you right now, dear listener, that we're not going to do everything because it would go crazy. So we're going to do as much as possible. But on the list, okay, Olympic ITT track, BMX, mountain biking, riders getting arrested, um, riders doing lovely things that even Dan will think is adorable, uh, Route de France. Uh, Ladies of Norway, Open to Suede Regola, Trophée d'Or, Paracycling, Summer Races in general, Transfer News, all of that in an hour. We can do that, Dan. Look, I'm not going to deny the optimism. Um, You know, I respect that. I'd say all evidence to the contrary. We're going to do as much as we can, but... When we left you, dear listener, we had just had the women's road race, and it was a little bit traumatic. I'm still traumatised. Are you still traumatised, Dan? Yeah, look, I, I think it's fair to say that I've, I've mostly just blocked it from, from immediate memory and just try not to think about it too much, um, which yes. is probably not an ideal coping strategy, but it's the one that's working for me at the moment, so it's what we're going with. Cool. So we then went on to the ITT the time trial, uh, and the big question was, could Anna Vaderbregen win double gold? And the reason we wondered this is because the Dutch are, without a doubt, the most successful Olympic nation in terms of overall medals in the in the road race. And Leontine van Morsel, back in 2000, won gold in the road race, the ITT, and the individual pursuit. So no pressure there for any of the Dutch No, at not at all. Not at all. And no pressure. And it was an interesting race because we had the usual riders who you want to look at, who you've been, you know, we've been seeing race each other. You had your Ellen Van Dyke, Anna Van der Breggen, um, uh, Lisa Blenauer, uh, Evelyn Stevens, all those riders who've been racing throughout the season. Then you had riders like um, Linda Willemsen, who kind of run a run a run a kind of lesser program, I guess. And then you had the complete surprises, including Kristen Armstrong back from retirement for the second time um, after she won her gold medal for the third time. Um, second time, second, I don't know. She won two gold in London, um, I, I believe. Yeah, yeah. But she retired twice, and we also had Olga Zablinskaya, lucky Olga who had been banned 
from the from the from the Olympics on the grounds of her doping ban that she came off of at the end of 2015, and she um, so she shouldn't have been there, but she thought, you know what, I don't think this is going to stand with the, with Cass. Went out to Rio anyway and was training on the Friday when they said, haha, yes, Olga, you can ride after all, and in fact, all Russians can ride after all. Um, yeah, so her gamble paid off, and so yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's a hell of a setup for for a race, and holy shit, I mean, we've we've given a lot of preview time to it because it deserved it, you know, from the from the complexities of of selecting the American team to, you know, as you say, the the I don't want to call it high drama, but sort of last minute drama of like Zabel and Sky, can she ride or not, you know, and then on top of that, the the domination of the the Dutch. But also, I think in the back of my mind anyway, coming into the time trial was definitely that the road race had upended a lot of the narratives that I'd sort of anticipated, particularly with the Americans. Um, you know, Kristen Armstrong was incredibly active in the in, in key parts of the road race um, and, you know, did a lot of work and stuff. And it, it sort of left me going, what? So, you know, there was yeah. a whole bunch of stuff to think about. Yeah, and it was interesting because, of course, we'd seen the the road race, the ITT's uh, route, because it was the first, the Grumari circuit of the road race, um, which was the first circuit, the one which had all the uh, cobbles on it, although they weren't going over cobbles. And it's interesting because it wasn't as windy as I thought it would be, like the, the wind, they were more mm. protected from the wind. But a lot of people on Twitter were very worried that the circuit, because they heard it was a circuit that was used in the road race, they were, holy shit, not that one with a hideous descent. No, not that one with a hideous no. descent. But it still had two climbs and two descents in it. And it was interesting because it had those two climbing sections and descents, and then it had a long kind of IT, typical ITT section at the end, which is always exciting because it means that you're going to get riders doing differently well, differently well, <laughs> on different parts of the course. I, I'm not sure that's a phrase, but okay. <laughs> It works. So we start. So we started off, and it was interesting to see almost immediately who was feeling good, who wasn't feeling good. And the best t- best early times were set by Tara Witten, the uh, um, she's Canadian. Uh, which was Canadian, which is interesting because Witten is uh, she's one of the and you know, and we kind of split this race into riders who've raced all season and riders who haven't. Yeah. yeah. So it was, and then you, then the next big, next best time came from Elisa Longo Borghini, who was absolutely crushing it over the hills. But the first surprise of the day was Ellen Van Dyke, as she entered into one of the hills, spun off the track, spun off the course into the jungle, which is just like brutal. Um, you know, it, it, it's 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 well, I hate the old cliche, but it's that thing. You know, there are. There, there are a few ways to win a race and a lot of ways to lose a race, and um, it was and spinning off into the jungle was one of them. That's and definitely, <sighs> definitely a way that you can possibly lose a race. And it was just like it was just completely oh devastating because that is just it was just human error. You know, mm. she just overcooked a corner, spun off, and she spun off going into the hill. So she then had to pull her bike out of the jungle, get back on the road, start her climb again. Gutted for her, yeah. like just beyond gutted. Um, some surprises, riders who weren't doing as well as we expected them to. Um, Emma Pooley, 
uh, Ashley Mormon Passio, uh, Evelyn Stevens, um, riders who you know who who we kind of thought would do really really well, yeah. but obviously were having bad days. Uh, Lisa Lisa Brunauer, it obviously just wasn't feeling it, but it quickly became apparent that the rider who really was feeling it was Olga Zabalinskaya. Yeah, which I mean, you know, uh, holy shit, eyebrows raised. Um, talk about, you know, like you said at the top, taking a, a gamble on um, whether or not she'd even be able to race. And um, and boy, did she set a, a terror of a time. And watching her come in at the end and, and you know, the the names of people that in the time splits that she was, she was beating, you're just sort of going, whoa, definitely, definitely she was having a, a good leg day. I have been using... Maybe they're preparing for Rio in inverted commas as a as a as a slightly um, sarcastic, I guess, <laughs> um, um, approach comment. But it seems like yes, Olga Zabalinskaya had definitely been preparing for Rio. The fact that you can come out of nowhere um, in her season having a pretty quiet. So she'd won a stage at Turingen where she won it um, where she attacked solo. But you know this, she hadn't shown in the in the um, in the in the in the in the time trials. And you're sitting there going, oh holy shit. Um, but but even though she thought she won and was super excited because she thought she'd won, um, she didn't. Um, she was beaten by Kristen Armstrong. Yeah, so there was that moment, um, you know, she crossed the line and it was like, wow, she'd passed Ellen, she'd beaten Anna's time, she was sitting at the top of the thing and literally the only person left on the road who really stood a chance of, of beating her was Kristen. And... Um, and, and she did by five seconds. Speaking of someone else who was on a good leg day, um, you know, making different... up all, making up all her time on the last Christmas. Because it's interesting because Evelyn Skyer really, like, she was back, she was behind on the first checkpoint, and then she was bizarrely ahead at the second checkpoint. Mm. You know, like to the point where you're going, is that actually right? But then she lost all her time on the flat section where well, she didn't lose it because she still won. Uh, Kristen Armstrong won for the USA, Olga Zablinskaya second, five seconds behind, Anna Vanderbregen third at 11 seconds behind, Ellen van Dyke fourth, 22 seconds. I think she could have won it. Yeah, that's, the, that's probably... It. That's just... That's the one gutting. that probably hurts the most is, is that Ellen almost certainly... Um, I mean, she certainly would have been in for a medal and, and quite likely could have won it if she hadn't had that, uh, that yeah. disastrous mishap. Elisa Longo Borghini, fifth, 25 seconds back. Linda Willemsen, sixth, 28 seconds back. Tara Witten, seventh. Lisa Bernauer, eighth. Kristen, uh, Catherine Garth at ninth. Evie Stevens, tenth. Yeah. Out of a field of 25 with Vita Heine, um, the last, uh, yeah, last rider. Yeah. Um, no, I said I, this I was... after the road race, but I do have to, I have to say, you know, I'd, I'd had my doubts about the U.S. selections uh, coming into the Olympics, but um, yeah, they've proven me wrong. No, you see, I want to talk about this because I saw a load of like slightly smug articles going, ah, ha, ha, ha. Kristen Armstrong silences all the critics by winning. And I still, I don't, I don't, I don't believe this. I'm sorry if you're a Kristen Armstrong fan. I'm sorry. I don't think she should have been selected. And here's why. 
Kristen Armstrong was very lucky because, as everyone knows, her coach is Jim Miller, who's the who's a vice president of um, athlete performance for USA Cycling and the man who wrote the uh, selection criteria for the Olympic Games. Uh, USA Cycling have since said that they realise their selection criteria is pretty terrible um, because they get so many complaints about it and so many challenges to it. Um, you know, not just Olympics but Worlds, and they're going to and the new v, and the new you, the new uh, CEO has said we're going to change it which is great for the future but it's probably not going to have the same issue because Chris Armstrong's retired again and so Jim Miller's not going to need to put his his pet rider in there you know his his the rider that he coaches that brings him glory if she wins yeah um so I think that there's there's this interesting thing about Zabalin Spur and Armstrong neither of them had to do the work to qualify for the points to qualify for the to qualify to actually get you know four americans to the usa for americans olympics um olga zalbinskaya couldn't because she was on a doping ban but neither of these did the work that their teammates did to get them there yeah and their teammates did that work thinking that they could a qualify as many places as possible and b they could then their american their, their co-country people and then b they would have a chance to race themselves and i especially think about carmen small who had to work super hard to get on form to win the ITT, the American ITT championships. Now, it has worked well for the Americans because what they and the and the Russians because what they end up is is riders who haven't been racing all season to prove to prove that they to prove that they deserve a place. They've just been focusing only on the Olympic Games. So your Anna van der Breggens, your Ellen van Dykes, they've been racing, they've been winning, they've been fighting really hard to get those Dutch places to prove that they needed to do it. But, you know, you could argue that both Anna van der Breggen and Ellen van Dyke, had they sat at home focusing solely on the Olympic Games while other Dutch riders won their points to get them there, could have won it too, yeah? I take your point, but, I mean, I don't think that that, you know, really changes what the US selectors would have been, you know, um, would would have to say about it, which is we tried to pick the the team that we thought would have the best Olympic success. And no, no, they, no, yes, yes, but they did it at the cost of they did it at the human cost of other riders. Yeah, they didn't say from the start. They never told Carmen Small, for example, that look, no matter how well you ride, you're not probably not going to get a place because we've allocated one to Kristen Armstrong already because we think that if she just stays at home and focuses only on the ITT, she could win the Olympic Games. Yeah, they didn't tell them that. If they'd have told them that right from the start. Then that 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 okay. I'm 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 you know I don't like it. To me, it's not in the spirit of 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 what the Olympic Games should be about. And it comes down to a big question: Is this about the best time trialist, or is this about the best cyclist who can time trial? You know. Well, I think it's more actually about Olympic funding than anything else, really, and how sports get funded i mean you know no, but, but it's still but it's still but 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 what okay but that's really still really 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 unfair on i don't think that usa cycling it's not the same as as british and, and this isn't just a usa cycling thing it's the same with russia it's the same with um canada it's the same with britain you know i mean britain's different because all our points were won by lizzie armitstead but i i don't like it when it happens anywhere yeah i don't think that the fact that chris armstrong won makes me go oh okay but you know fine because if they'd if they'd have been honest about it with their riders and told their riders what they were doing i'd i'd be fine i'd be you know i'd I'd be like well i don't agree with it but it just means that you know that when other riders are making their decisions about how hard to go out in races they 
they can make it as an informed choice, you know? Like, it's... it's yeah, but that's it's... that's an argument about the selection process. I mean, all I'm saying is that they they selected a winning team, you know, and they did. They selected a winning team and and they, they, an they, they, overall they success, successful team. You know, um, an incredible fourth in the road race, um, uh, gold medal oh, in the time trial. You know, I don't think I don't think the road race was successful for them. I think the road race was was. I mean, they something went wrong in that road race for them. Because they should have had the way that that tactic would have worked is they should have had um, Evelyn Stevens or Megan Guarnier going over the top with Van der Breger, Longo Borghini and Johansson so that when Mara was inevitably caught on the descent, they had another USA rider sitting on the back ready to go and, and sprint for sprint for gold. I, I don't think fourth. I don't think fourth is a good result for them. Given 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 the incredible strength of the team that they started with, I think fifth for Lizzie Armitstead is extraordinary because no one would expect her to get over that hill, and she didn't have that that you know she didn't have a strong team around her. But but yeah, I I don't think I don't think that fourth in the Olympic Games is something to is something for them to go yay because they should have won that. Really, they should have had a medal at least on that on the strength of that team. Okay. Pretty much everyone I know had had one of the Americans down on, as their podium as their podium choice. All right, all right. It's. Um, I mean, I take I take your point. I take your point. It's like, what is the Olympics about? I just think that it's unfair. On, I think it's. If, I think if had they had they told the riders that this is what their plan was, it's fine. But I think that you end up with Armstrong and Zablinskaya had this advantage in that they didn't have to. They didn't have to work as hard as someone like Ellen van Dyke did to get to the, to get to, to justify her place on on the on the squad or van der Breger or Longo Borghini and it's easy I think you know when you yeah, when I you've mean, got you, the place the sorted way, out because... the only way to get that is to to have the IOC enforce selection criteria for the whole world no 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 I just think that the selection criteria that the UA, I mean it's uh, do you I mean, not you, think no, that you it's... literally just compared three different countries uh, you know three different federations three different sets of selection criteria I mean the only way that there's parity and fairness for Ellen van Dyke in the American selection process is if the American selection process is the same as the Dutch. Which I think kind of the difference, I mean, the difference is with the Dutch is the Dutch selection process is done by independent people who aren't the head coach, who aren't coaching one of the riders. Anyway, we disagree. Um, So the other thing I just want to mention is, oh my God, she's a mother. Which which is interesting because it only applies to Armstrong. It doesn't apply to Zablin Sky, even though Zablin Sky has got more kids. Um, yeah, there's like there's a hell of a lot of really fucked up political shit to unpack in that, isn't there? So, you know. Yeah, I I, I get I get that after you've had a child, that you know it, it takes a while for your body to get back to your pre-child having days. But I'm 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 as a woman, I'm completely surprised that when you've got a child who's five or six that people are kind of going, oh my God, it's amazing, you're a mother, in the ways that they would never do for a father. Because because I don't, I genuinely don't get why it's harder for a woman to train when she's got a five, you know, four or five-year-old than it is for a man to train when he's got a four or five-year-old. I don't get it. I mean, I do get it. Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I don't. The, it's, it's very simple. There's a term for it. It's sexism. That's, you know. Yeah. It's, um, so, mm. yeah, so that was, that was the Olympic road racing. I mean, yep. Yeah. Uh, we went on to track. Did you watch any of the track? Um, no, nah, not really. 
basically. Did you watch the most amazing track moment, which was in the Kirin? Um, when where, um, I can't remember the rider's name, but you know, rode up the side of the barrier. Yeah, we had the most fantastic moment where. In the Kieran, Laureen Van Riesen had um, been trying to push out, I think, and uh, um, had been had been kind of blocking in, I guess, uh, um, one of the French riders. The French rider pushed her. She went right up the track. Laureen Van Riesen managed, I have no idea how, to actually get her bike up onto the tr- barrier around the track, ride ride for a few meters on the barrier on the barrier next to the railing before coming down without hurting herself and finishing the race i mean it was kind of like she was doing you know like um skateboarding or or um you BMX know, or danny, danny mccaskill style yeah exactly um you know trick riding it was yeah it was pretty impressive I want to say that the Kieran riders, they get up, they start the um, the Kieran bike, gets them up to something like forty five uh, kilometers per hour before it comes off the track, yeah, and they finish the race at over seventy kilometers per hour. Yeah. So this was not just hilarious, incredible track track riding. It was incredible. It was incredible trick riding at fucking insane speeds. And if it had been her teammate, um, if it had been her teammate Ellis Ligley. I would have not been so surprised because Ligley was a BMX rider to start with. Right, right. But Van Riesen comes from speed skating. Well, maybe... But see, maybe they just teach each other tricks in their downtime, you know? Like, you know... I don't... That was... It was extraordinary. Maybe it was was a team bet one day. Just like, hey, bet you I can ride ride the embankment, you know? I have no idea how you do that because holy shit, that was dangerous and mm. amazing. And yeah, um, kids, right, kids listening, don't try that shit at home, okay? Just if you haven't seen it, just look up. Look up. I don't know. Olympic Kieran. Holy fuck! What the fuck? How? <laughs> how did she not die? And it should take you to a clip. Um, uh, best Google yeah, so, search ever. <laughs> so the Kieran, the Kieran was won by a Dutch woman. So the team. So let's start. So the. Um, Team sprint was won by the Chinese pair of um, of, of Gong Jingji and Zhang Tanxi at Tianxi, and they 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 basically in the previous Olympics and in the Worlds, so funny both times they got they were they had won but then got relegated to second place because they had illegal changeovers uh, between Rider One and Rider Two. So the big question was really wasn't really could anyone go faster than but could they actually manage to keep within the rules this time? Uh-huh. But it seems that they've been practicing. <laughs> Well, I guess when you identified one weakness, it's not that hard to focus on correcting it, is it? So yeah. So they. So that was won by that was won by the by the by by the by the Chinese. Then we had the the team pursuit. The team pursuit was won by the Brits. It's super exciting race. The the the, the Americans set a new world record um, during qualifying, only for it to be overtaken. And I've been seeing some quite interesting commentary on this about. Um, about was it because they had two baggy gloves from American from Velo News, which made me laugh and laugh what? and laugh. I don't know why it was so funny. Was it because they had two baggy gloves? Wow, I mean, I I just don't. I words not have for the. I mean. And I, I don't know, I got a bit bored. Is, is it terrible? That, so again, we have this interesting thing with Team GB because of the way that our, um, because of the way that our money is paid out. They only 
only get money based on um based on the olympic games yeah so it stands and falls so whereas the poor um the poor australians for example they have to hit um hit, hit things at the like hit, hit other points to be on form to get their money so yeah so that was that was um that was interesting um no it was i mean they did really really well i shouldn't criticize them it's katie archibald laura troy eleanor barker joanna rousel they absolutely stomped it and won new world records and you know did really well so yay um with the united states sarah hammer kelly catlin chloe digert and jennifer valente in second and they did really look ter- upset on the podium they didn't look like they i don't think they'd expected to lose and then yeah. canadia Alison Beveridge, Jasmine Glaser, Kirsty Day, Georgia Simmerling, Laura Brown. Um, yeah, it was. It's 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 hard. It's hard. And I just want to give out a shout out to the riders who didn't the the, the unfo- poor unfortunate fifth riders of the USA and the and the and the and the Brits and the uh, Australians and other fourth riders who sorry fifth riders who. How it works is if you ride in one of the competitions in one of the in one of the races in the Olympics, you get a gold medal. You get your medal, even if you didn't, even if you didn't, didn't ride in the, the last final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you don't, you don't get a medal at all. So you have like Kira Horn, for example, in Great Britain, and Ruth Winder from the USA, who had been doing all the work, getting the qualification points, doing all the training and being there and waiting and being gutted and kind of being the forgotten women. And, and I just, I think that's sad. So, you know, big love, big love to the Beckweir's Axe, the Kira Horns, Roof Winders. They're fucking amazing. And they were part of the team too. And, you know, I, it's a shame. Mm. Um, gutted also for the Australians who couldn't really, who couldn't really um, yeah, compete well... properly. The the training accident that sort of happened about three four days before the the racing started um, really did rock the team around and um, you know Mel Hoskins actually had to go to hospital uh, but Ash Ankudinov was also quite banged up and even even up until the the very first qualifying round they weren't actually entirely sure which of them would start. You yeah, know. and Ashan Kudinov apparently had a shoulder injury, so couldn't pull on her bars. Yeah, yeah. So it was so, it was really tough for them, and and I mean I know this is a really easy thing to say, being the token Australian on the podcast, but the the squad really was in really really good form coming into the Olympics and in high spirits, and you know were genuine medal contenders. Um, you know, so it, it is. It, I mean, you know, partly it's bike racing and stuff like that happens, but it is also really unfortunate when you, you get taken out by an accident rather than, you know, your performance. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, though, the rest of the Australian sprint squad, um, track squad, were also off their game. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. something something was badly wrong in the nation of Australia because they came out of the track, they came out of the... Um, they came out of the track with um, only one medal, mm. which is unheard of. To me, it's unheard of. I can't. I, it, it's like they they went in with like being, you know, super superstars, expected to do, you know, expected to do well all yeah, over, yeah. Well, well, well all over, and they didn't. And that's extraordinary to me that they that they that they didn't that they. The that overall they, yeah, results they were definitely very much a, a disappointment. It was kind of weird though, because you know. Things like, I don't want to jump the gun too much, but Anna Mears, you know, set uh, a record. 
um, in terms of number of medals won by an Australian Olympian and stuff like that. And and still, you know, it, it, it was weird because the reporting back here was not so much about that and more about the the lack of medals. This is apparently our worst games since um, Barcelona. So I blame for both everything. of these. I blame both of these entirely on you, Sarah. Why? Oh, because you. I, I you, wanted Australians to win. You love I Barcelona, mean, and um, I do love Barcelona. Yeah. I do love Barcelona. And it just seemed so, like yeah. a cheap shot that would, you know, rile you up a little bit. So that was yeah. the main reason. Yeah. I mean, Anamir's won one the one medal. Um, the Kieran was won by Ellis Lickley of the Netherlands. Um, just completely she's been a fantastic up-and-coming rider she's been getting better and better and better in every race that she's done but this was by far the race of her life just oh fantastic for her to win i was really happy for her with becky james in silver and anna mears in bronze and that's a podium you can really love because becky james from britain she's been back she's been back from a horrible year she had she had a routine um well, it wasn't routine because she was she was just too she was too young. To, they, they've changed the rules that they do cervical smears for in Britain, so that younger women don't have them anymore. But for some reason, Becky James had one. I think she it was like the last possible chance before they stopped. You know, the, the women her age having them, and they found precancerous cells, which is basically just before you've got cancer. Right. So she had to have radiotherapy, and and that was took her off the bike, and that was traumatic. This was in two thousand fourteen. Yeah, when when she came back, she started training and she injured herself almost immediately. And she was encouraged to push through her injury and luckily didn't. But she's been, you know, she's been having a she's she just had this this tra- this this traumatic, um, traumatic, traumatic, traumatic couple of years with injury and illness. So she she didn't she was coming back. She qualified for the kieran off the back of her um world championships and when she won a medal in world championships like everyone was just delighted for her because you know no one wants a really she's a former kieran world champ former sprint world champ no one wants a rider out by injury you know yeah. you don't know and no one wants that and it's a close-knit family you know, it's a close-knit community of cyclists so it was lovely to see everyone being really on side for becky james so her winning silver in the kieran was just delightful and anna Mears winning her i don't know hundredth Five five thousand. <laughs> How many medals did she win? Um, I uh, to be honest, I actually can't remember okay. the the Let's count. total. She's actually only won. She's actually only won. Um, only won two golds, one silver, and now three bronzes. Yeah. Um, world championship. She's got. Let's count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven golds. Um, it's something like thirty-three medals overall. You know, yeah, like in, yeah. in world championships, she's just extraordinary, and this was her. So I think last... this is. I think it was. I think she equaled the record of all time for Australians, like an, an Australian individual winning Olympic medals, and she's like the most winning Australian athlete in Olympic and worlds, or something like that. So yeah, she's yeah. just. I mean, she's just. She's had this incredible career. And this is the end of it. And, and she's she was also so... just like super nice and awesome. And but she, but she's had a, she's had a terrible time too because she had um she had she had she took some time off after the last Olympics, and she came back and she had recurring back injuries. She broke mm. her back yep. before the 2008 Olympics. But she's also split up from her husband and manager and had a divorce. And she said there's an interview with her where she was saying that it took her a really long time to 
just rediscover her love on the bike, you know, her love for the bike and to feel like herself on the bike again. So, you know, it's yeah. all been it, it it's not been the Olympics that she wanted. You know, Australia came in wanting a medal in the in the team sprint. They wanted at least one medal in the sprint. They wanted a medal in the Kirin from just from the women's side, possibly with a medal in the Omnium as well. For yeah, they wanted a medal in the Omnium for Annette Edmondson. Yeah, yeah. You know, they they they'd already their road team had um, I would say I don't know whether I'd say underperformed or I don't know, just hadn't, just the road team hadn't been as strong as they should have been on paper in terms of the road race in the ITT. Oh, yeah, um, I mean, I, I guess that depends on who you ask. I mean, you know, I, I think I think some people may not have been as open-eyed in their assessments as others. Yeah? Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm beating around the bush a bit. All I'm really trying to say is I didn't think it was that surprising. It's pretty much what I expected. So. Did you not think Kat Garfield would do better in the ITT? I, I figured, uh, I look, I'd hoped for a top five, but I figured a, a five to ten placing was where she would probably wind up, and, you know, ninth is where she wound up. So, mm. you know, I, I, you know, yeah, of course you always hope for better, but I thought realistically, you know, that was that would be the range that she would fall into, and yeah, yeah. So you know, I, and this is the thing because in all of these situations, there's you know a myriad of things. You know, the the wind shifts direction on the day from one rider to the next. Your bike's set up slightly differently. The humidity's different. I don't know. There's all sorts of shit that can affect you know how it plays out on the day. So you know, I I I consider it pretty much in line with where I thought it would be. Hmm interesting so yeah so what else happened in the track in the track laura trot completely crushed the omnium and i'm interested in the omnium because they're trying because almost it's interesting because they've been kind of pulling in this the events that had parity so the kieran has parity between men and women the sprint has parity between men and women the team pursuit has parity between men and women so that's all cool that's that's really really cool and and very unlike you know very unlike the uci and cycling and they've particularly but the omnium is very different between the men and women it's still the same six events but when you look at it you won't kind of realize how much with the omnium they've changed the rules so that you get the same points for the first five events you know first person gets 40 first person in each event gets 40 second person gets 38 third gets 36 and then the final race the points race any points that are won during the points race which holy shit when you're talking about their points race points being added to their points you just want to kill yourself after a while it's just, great. just not good fuck me um Luckily, I found the result. Luckily, I found the actual rules to the Olympics because, you know, you're sitting there trying to explain it and people are going, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, Sarah. You just said that you just said that 18 riders go through to the top 16. How does that work? And you're like, oh, <laughs> I know, I know. Repechages. What the fuck's a repechage, Sarah? Well, it's like a second chance. Why? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you know that all these rules were made up by a bunch of guys in Agler after a big night on the Irish whiskey, right? Like, yeah. Like, it's well, just, well, how was, can we make was, it more confusing? You know, I was talking to one of my friends on Twitter, and we were talking about the way that you do it. That it's a drinking game. That's yeah. how they do it. They, 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 there's a load of blokes in Agler, and they sit around and they write down the most ludicrous things they can find on pieces of paper after they take a drink. You know, take a drink, write another rule. Take a drink, write another rule. And then they play darts, like throwing the darts into. They put all the rules on the wall and they just throw darts <laughs> into them randomly. Right. But these two things are for the same competition. They don't make sense. Brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah. 
it's, um, yeah. it's funny because it's entirely plausible. Well, it's funny because it makes more sense than sitting down and logically deciding it. Yeah, that, you know, yeah. women. So, so my so my friend was saying that you should get involved in this. I said yes. Should we? You could pretend to drink, and then you could slip some slip some sensible rules into there. So you you had this weird situation where in 2014 they changed the the, the team pursuit from three riders over three kilometers to four riders over four kilometers in line with the men. Hurrah! That's a really good thing. But they didn't change anything else. So you still have, for example, the individual pursuit is three kilometers. So in the Omnium, they do the individual pursuit is three kilometers. And they also severely limit how much women can ride distances. So, for example, the scratch race that's um, uh, I've forgotten off the top of my head. Um, Let's say it's 25K for the men. It's something like 15K for the women. And the points race, which is very important, um, is... Uh, 25k for the women and something like something like 40k for the men yeah. and you sit there going so so a woman can ride a 135 kilometer road race but she can't ride a 40k scratch race okay uh, points race okay okay that's that doesn't make sense um but, you know, but, but she can ride well, a 40k no, no, scratch race but she can no, no but you're like she can ride a 40 she can ride a 25k scratch race but she can't ride a 20 sorry points race but she can't ride a 25k scratch race okay but she can ride a 15k scratch race, but she can't ride a four kilometer individual pursuit. But she can ride three kilometer individual pursuit, but she can't ride a kilometer time trial. And you just sit there going, I, 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 I don't get it. And, and, I, and people on Twitter kept going, Sarah, why is this? And I was just like, uh, f- fuck if I know. Like, what the fuck? I, 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 I can't even get. I can't even get outraged by it anymore. I can only just like just throw my hands up in the air and go, oh, oh fuck! I know. Yeah. I know. I know. So yeah. Anyway, it suits Laura Trot. She won. Huh? With um, uh, she won the Omnium with Sarah Hammer from the USA. Second with her uh, second silver medal from the Olympics this time, and her fourth silver medal overall, I think. And uh, Yonin Dora, um, who'd had a really great ding-dong battle with Sarah Hammer for third, uh, Yonin Dora ended up, um, and, and, and uh, sorry, for second, Yonin Dora ended up third, and tons of really strong riding. I particularly loved Amelie Diederichsen, I'm not going to win, but I give no fucks, and Lauren Ellis from, this, uh, from, the, from New Zealand doing the points race, just, I don't give any fucks, I'm just going to try and get as many laps as possible, and it's going to be super exciting, and I can't win, but by God I can get from 10th to 5th, for example. <laughs> Which is especially exciting when you think that Amelie Diedrichsen is only 20, so by the time Tokyo comes around, you know, she's, you've got to keep watching her because she is so, so strong. And I'd said before the race, yeah, you know, I don't expect the points race because it's so much shorter in the men's race, in the men's Omnium. The points race can change everything and really, really dramatically and such. In the women's race, it can't because it's much, 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 much shorter than the men's points race. And there are fewer points to uh, fewer points to win in the points that go towards your points. And yeah, um, wow. but... It was, but yeah, but Amelie Diedrichsen was my, yeah, woman of, woman of the Omnium just because she was hilarious and wonderful to watch. Oh, look, Amelie Diedrichsen's attacking. Drink! Um, and, then make, and then make a rule. Well, there you go. Fair enough. Um, so that, is that track? No, because we also had the sprint, which um, la- a curious lack of Australians because it wasn't just Anna Mir. Steph Morton um, was having a bad week. Um, 
I don't know. And uh, and but the sprint came down to Christina Vogel of uh, Germany winning, just winning. And in her, she she beat Katie Marchant, this very young British girl who only rode the sprint um, and did really, 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 really well um, and came in bronze. Becky James in silver. But uh, Christina Vogel, when she beat Becky James in the second in the, in the second in the second in this in the um, in the in the second race. She had a bit of problems with her bike. Her bike hadn't felt comfortable at the start. At the end of the sprint, she actually broke her saddle, broke her seat post. Right. So she finished her sprint with her saddle falling off. She didn't fall off. Well, that's that's probably ideal. I mean, not the saddle falling off bit, but the her not falling off bit. It was extraordinary. Like, just like... You know, she couldn't do a lap of honour because her bike had broken. <laughs> well, I mean, I think at that point you're allowed to sit on the top tube. <laughs> I don't, don't oh, Ow! <laughs> Ow! Not the seat no. tube. Jeez. Oh, the top tube. Yes, I see what you mean. I, oh, yeah, I, sorry, I, I, I forgot. You don't know what bikes look like. Yes, yeah. You need Sword <laughs> Panda's image again. The diagram explaining <laughs> it for you. So it had been a, it had been a relatively crappy uh, Olympics for Christina Vogel. She'd um, she'd only come third, only got bronze in the team sprint with Miriam Velter, and she'd uh, come uh, come sixth come come sixth like the last place in the final in the Kirin. So, but I love Christina Vogel. If you're not following her on Twitter and social media, you have to follow her. She's amazing. She's hilarious. She's awesome. She's a very very lovely personality and amazing bike rider. So. Yay. So that was, you know, that was like another great podium. Hurrah. Awesome. Well, I'm glad that we've um, we've been pretty quick so far because we've still got half an hour left to discuss <laughs> BMX mountain bike route to France, ladies tour of Norway, um, fucking Vigorda and um, Trophée d'Or. So um, Paralympics transfers and... Um, other things we've seen around. So, you know... Yeah, we're not going to get that far. We're um, so did, you, spare time. <laughs> did you see... Did you see any of the BMX? Uh, I actually saw the bit where all of the Aussies crashed out and stopped watching. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's not entirely true. But the, the Aussies did... The Aussie met... So, with the BMX, you have this thing where... So, the French... We talked about the Aussies having a terrible track season, track, track Olympics, uh, Olymp, road, Olymp, road and track Olympics. And the French were doing just as badly. Um, the French and the Aussies start as two of the top nations from the BMX. No French got through into the men's BMX... Men's, men's BMX uh, semi-final, which was extraordinary. But um, BMX, if you don't know much about BMX... It's super fast, but even more so than all the Olympic disciplines, it kind of had this thing where the by far the top nations had very fewer places. Yeah, the BMX and the mountain bike, you're just sitting there going, okay, this is extraordinary how few people are actually getting through from the top. So maximum two riders for each for, for, for five teams for the women and three for the men for five teams for the men and you're sitting there going well this is interesting because there were four australians in the top 10 of the world bmx champs yep and there were three dutch in the finals of the of the last bmx world cup so you start out with this like ridiculous scenario where you'll get where, where you've got like really 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 tiny numbers but also like so many really strong riders not starting and bmx is totally randomly luck based yeah 
Well, I, I think the writers would see it slightly differently, but no, no, no. It's it's you have to you can you. When I was looking through the BMX results, you have riders who, for example, will only ever finish in the qualification round or the motos round, or they'll finish in the final and get a medal. Yeah, but you also have riders who will pretty much always get through to the met through to the finals. So you look at it and you go, huh, this is extraordinary. How has Caroline Buchanan, for example, only ever won one world championships because she's just got so many golds, it's ridiculous. Or Elise Post, who's got, who's, I think she's never been out of the finals at world champs since she started, but she's never won gold. Right. So it's, but, so they had, so there's, and there's, and it's an outdoor course. And in the men's, uh, they didn't have quarterfinals for the women. Weird. Um, in the men's quarterfinals, they lost tons of big favorites through crashes. Like it's, it's like, it's an outdoor course. The wind was blowing. Um, you've got like, the, the reason it's luck based is because it's only 40 seconds long each run. Yeah. So you, you kind of have, you, you have um, four straights and three corners. You get hooning down. You get all your speed from an eight-meter-high ramp start hill, yeah? And then you hoon down into the corners, and the corners are where you try and overtake people or you try and pick up some more speed or you try and get into the perfect line for going down the straights because you can't overtake on that. You can't, like, you know, cross lines on the straights. And... If someone clips your wheel, this is why it's luck-based, because someone else clips your wheel or someone else crashes into you and you're out too, yeah? Because it's eight riders on a track that's five metres wide. It's, um, it's, it's, I guess, like trying to commute in a large city. There's just not enough room. Yes, but you're going much, much faster than when you're trying to commute because you're probably up there in your 40, 50k an hour, Yeah. Um, well, I mean, again, I guess it depends. I've, I've seen some pretty hardcore commuters in my time. There's always that one dude, you know, who's wearing his full 1980s team kit and just taking it way too seriously. You know, that dude keeps yeah. hard and makes it hard it, for everyone else. Yes. Well, this is, that's, a mountain biker, a mountain bikery is by far harder, sorry, BMX is harder than that, okay? All right. Um, but it was going in, there were some big favourite names, um, Elise Post from the USA, who, like I said, has, has, has been really, really fucking consistent. Stephanie Hernandez from Venezuela, who I would argue is probably one of the most successful riders to come out of the UCI's Agla base. She's based there for the last four years, um, living and training in Agla. Um, she's from Venezuela, and last year she was BMX world champion. Um, Caroline Buchanan, like my goddess, I think I got into BMX because of Caro Buchanan's amazing videos, her fantastic work with um, young girls, uh, her Buchanan Next Gen program. She's just a very, very, you know, she's an awesome rider to watch. She makes great videos. And the queen of BMX, Mariana Pajon from Colombia, who's... Mm does just she's a legitimate bona fide superstar i think she's the third she's the she's the cyclist with the third most people following her on twitter right she's got more twitter followers than lance armstrong she's got more twitter followers she's she's like a genuine legit superstar and she also uses her powers for good and has this incredible foundation which works to help street kids in colombia get um you know get use use sports to kind of have a better you know to help and, and other things and, and other things to have a better life to, to help have a better life for themselves you know yeah, yeah so awesome awesome amazing here we go this is going to be fantastic lining up absolutely gutted for caribou cannon who crashed out yep 
and that was around about the time I stopped watching. Yeah, really gutting for her. Carrie Buchanan said that she, in 2012, in the Olympics, she'd she said that she'd like not not really prepared for it as, as properly, and she'd and it was terrible and it was gutting, but it it was really good for her in retrospect because she learnt from it and it made her made her really value everything else that she ever did. But ah. Oh completely mm. gutting for her but Mariana Pajon made it look easy won I think she won every race that she rode including the final where she came home with gold with Elise Post in silver and Stephanie Hernandez in bronze um yeah cool like just yeah uh, extraordinary racing like you should watch it when these all of these videos will turn up on the youth on the Olympic YouTube at some stage in the future you should watch it because it's frightening to watch at the time, but when you know no one goes away with like legitimate life-threatening injuries, it feels a little bit better. <laughs> <sighs> and then we have mountain biking. Yeah, yeah. Mountain bikery. Uh, did you watch any of the mountain bikery, or were there no Aussies in it, so you just get, didn't didn't bother? Well, you know, between that and the time zone, yeah, no. So. Hmm. Yeah, um, mountain bikery. We, if we had started last year, if we had been talking last year, we would have said that the mountain bike was going to be all between Pauline Frampreveau and Yolanda Neff. Yep. And we'd probably have been looking at Pauline Frampreveau getting um, double gold in the Olympics in the road race and the and the mountain bike. But 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 Pauline Frampreveau last year was the first rider ever to hold all three rainbow jerseys in mountain bike road and cyclocross and as a result got the curse of the rainbow jersey hit her unbelievably hard like just terribly terribly she's got this really sad um statement about her season on her facebook which ends um i end my season she had to pull out of the mountain bike race after crashing i end my season on abandonment i do not know when i'll go back on a bike the bike was what i love to do the most but it has became my biggest nightmare hmm. which is just really sad but you know it, it also touches on what you were talking about with animes earlier like and and these are sometimes part of the the um arc of a rider's relationship to their sport you know and so i hope pauline gets some some time away and and an opportunity to rediscover her her passion for cycling because it would be a shame to lose her completely yeah, I mean, she says she's had, like, she says she's just been non-stop, like, training. She said that she, because of her whole three, wanting three um, wins last year, she just kept training through injuries. She didn't listen to her coach. Um, she just came back. She's had allergies. She went moved to the south of France to try to be, uh, to, to, to be in better conditions and had hideous allergy problems. She um, had a, a sciatica in her leg, Um they're saying, okay, well, they want to put her on steroids for her um, for her allergies, but she can't go on steroids because that means she couldn't race. Yep. They wanted to go on sciatica. The the drugs that they the 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 the, the um the, the the drugs that they want to give her once you ride, you have to have ten days without competition and three days of total work, total rest. And it tried it and it didn't work and it wasn't going to work. So she'd been having Botox on herself on her leg for sciatica, with her sciatica, which seems like just a stupid thing to do because you know it's just putting off the problems to you know to to, to a later to a later date. But you know she really wants to be on on time and it's just she's just gutted 
she's mm. gutted. She's saying she's she's saying she's bruised, she's battered, she's put on weight, and she can't lose her kit. She can't lose. She can't get down to race weight. It's just everything's been horrible for Pauline Fran-Prevot, and I just hope that it stops being horrible because yeah. she's such a champion and mm. <sighs> so great. And yeah, yes. But the so yeah so um, and. Yolanda Neff had been eighth in the road race. I have a theory about Yolanda Neff, which is that she she seem, she she can win everything in the World Cups, yeah, but right. she hasn't won World Championships. And I think that she just just something goes something goes in her head, you so know. You something think it's a, sort of a crack under pressure on the really big things, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not so much a crack under pressure, but she just you know she 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 tries too hard because. Yolanda Neff's had the mountain bike is genuinely an individual sport, yeah. Yep. Except that we saw Yolanda Neff's teammate Linda Indigan go out super hard and make everyone chase her down in the mountain bike race. And um, yeah, and that was interesting because clearly Indigan was going out hard, making other riders chase. Uh, Yolanda Neff was then sitting on their wheel in a good position to then take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, We'd seen a big group of riders at the front uh, with Jenny Jenny Rizvedz, but Jenny Rizvedz cr- uh, punk, uh, had a mechanical and had to chase back on. It's like, oh, gutting, she could have won. Like, you know, before the race, I say Jenny Rizvedz, she'll either crash horribly or she'll medal. Mm. Yeah. But she had to chase back on, which she's done a couple of times. She's had her first um, elite season with Maya, Maya Wolskowska, who is the rider who had been in silver position in Worlds this year. But she punctured twice, chased back on the first time. The second time was passed by um, Leah Davison and Emily Batty. Just managed to catch Emily Batty and had this amazing sprint down the finish line for bronze, but Batty won it. So, you know, sitting go, Maya, Maya Wosowska, please don't crash. Please don't puncture, you know. Um, anyway, Neff gets round, hits the wall. Yep. It ends up with um, Jenny Rispet and Maya Wolskowska fighting together at the front. You're sitting there going, oh, this is interesting because Wolskowska is a former world champion and she's in her 30s and she's, you know, should be much better. And Jenny's very young. Rispet is very young. Is this going to be a, is, 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 is it going to be a case of the older rider? Is, is, she, is she keeping falling back because she's not being able to keep up or is she sandbagging and she's just waiting for Rispet to crack when she can pass? Yep, yep. But it turned out no. Risfeds won. Risfeds won solo in just stunning, 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 stunning riding. Like just wow, wow. You know, congratulations, twenty-two-year-old Jenny Risfeds from Sweden, and congratulations Sweden because that's a gold. You know, they're a very small cycling nation, but they've picked up a gold in the um, in the mountain bike and a silver in the road race from Emma Johansson. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, Maya Wolskowska Silver and Catherine Pendrell in her last race because she's retired. She'd crashed at least once in the race earlier. She'd done what she's been seen her do so many times, which was chase, 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 chase. And at one point, I thought she might even be in it for silver, but she won bronze, and that's the end of her career. Okay. <sighs> well, so know. that was a lovely podium. That was a yeah, lovely, yeah. lovely, lovely podium. So yeah. Um, just you know great for canada because emily batty was fourth um emily batty and Catherine pendrell were definitely riding against each other there was none of this happy joy joy <laughs> uh, we're teammates together let's celebrate it was like i'm gonna fucking kill you um, <laughs> the canadian i mean come on notoriously way too polite for that no 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 um i was happy for maya Wos- wasowska the poles had had a weird 
a weird track for the women. They didn't ride the team type, the, the team pursuit. And then they had Gosha was Gosia was Tyler, who is an amazing. Like I don't, I wouldn't. She wasn't one of my favourites to win the uh, Omnium, but she was definitely one of my favourites for the top five, and she was definitely one of my favourites to win one of the individual races, and. The day before the Omnium started, she went on Twitter to say, I've just been told that I'm not riding it. My coach has put in a rider who is very, very young, just straight out of juniors and has never ridden a uh, has and has and has never ridden a um, uh, an, uh, an, elite, an elite an elite event? No, an, an, an Omnium at elite level. So never a World Cup, never a World Championships. Right. right. So something was up in the yeah, Polish. Okay. It, it just to be honest, I can't work it out because I, the only way I can think of it is spite, you know, because it's just it's just what well, Tyra was just gutted. Yeah, no, it just and it, it it just doesn't make sense though. That's that's super weird. Yeah. Super weird. Ugh. So yeah. Okay. So, but that was that was the that was the Olympics. That was the Olympics. It wasn't the Olympics because Dan, what the fuck were your Australians doing? What do you mean? The Australians, um, okay, it's not quite Ryan Lochte levels of level levels of, yeah, of craziness. Exactly, but... it's not like it's not like we lied about it or anything. So the Australians, a load of Australians, including cyclists Mel Hoskins and Ashley Ann Kudinoff, who obviously had decided their Olympics weren't bad enough, they were deciding to, to put the icing oh, on a shitty cake. Oh, that's a little unfair. We were a legit medal chance in the basketball. No, yes, yes. And so what did they try and do? They tried, They well, tampered with their passes. They just tried to doctor their passes a little bit so that they could get in to see the game. Like... Duh. Which is who which among is us something... has not jumped a fence to see a game at some point? Me. Oh, well, you're just a goody, boring shoe twos, aren't you? <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately for the Aussies who try to do this, um, it's a it's a it's it's a crime punishable by imprisonment in Brazil. Oh, yeah, but you know, it's all about just. Making you know, paying your fines and saying you're sorry, and it's all fine. It's all fine. Yeah, it's so, all part um, of all part of travelling overseas. I mean, is this what Australians do? End up in prison? And... Excuse me, <laughs> this from you, the person who literally comes from the country that was like, "Oh fuck ya, we'll send you to prison overseas as a thing." That's how we'll form the European settlement of Australia. Like, <laughs> this was your fucking idea, not mine. I get off your high fucking horse. You're down here in the mud with the rest of us. It was your fucking plan. Build a nation of people who think it's normal to go to jail when you go overseas. <laughs> Fuck. Got you good with that one, didn't I? <laughs> Well, while you try to recover your breath, how about I, I try and get us quickly through some of the results that were non-Olympic racing? Can, in, in can the I just meantime. say Nettie Edmondson? Nettie Edmondson. Now, I know you don't like the Olympics, Dan. Yeah, I know well, you don't like the Olympics. I know you struggle with it. I know well, that you, they're you, deeply you, you, morally and ethically compromised and full of corruption. And, you know, I'm not getting any of the profits of the corruption, so I'm outraged by the moral compromises. For 10 years, 
Annette Edmondson and her brother Alex have been sponsoring a has been sponsoring a couple of kids in Brazil through I think World Vision. Yep. Basically, okay, Annette Edmondson is sickening. She's beautiful, she's talented, she's incredibly clever, like very, very, very clever, and she's got like this fantastic social conscience. For her fourteenth birthday, Edmondson asked her her parents asked her what she wanted for her birthday, and she said, Can we sponsor a child through World Vision? And they on by chance when she was 14 the world vision gave her a kid in salvador in the north part of brazil yep and when she was old enough she annette, annette became responsible for paying the monthly payments they do that thing where the where the money goes a little bit goes you know some of it goes to the child and the child's family so that they can keep her in education and some of it goes to the community so they build a good school that kind of thing yeah yep, yep. Anyway, um, so after her Olympics, which, you know, weren't as successful as she wanted, you'd, you'd expected Annette, Annette Edmondson to come out with two medals, you know, in the Omnium and the Team Pursuit. But all of that seems completely pointless because, oh, no, Alex Edmondson did win a medal. Sorry, the yes. Australia, I was, I was rude about you because you did actually win a silver in the Men's Team Pursuit. And Alex was part of that team, Nettie's brother. They went north and after 10 years... Nettie Edmondson met the girl that she's been sponsoring, Vanessa, and her brother yeah. took the silver medal. And it was just, holy shit, this is what the Olympics is about. Well, not really, though. I mean, it's not like the Olympics fucking sponsors kids in Brazil. I'm pretty sure that Nettie Edmondson was paid to go to Brazil because of the Olympics. Uh, yeah, okay, so she was paid to go to Brazil because of the Olympics, but the Olympics isn't about sending athletes to meet kids they sponsor. No, it's, about it's, making, it's... it's about making a shit ton of money for the IOC and their corporate sponsors. So, yeah, you know, she said, but, yeah, it was, this it was is beautiful. A quote. This and is Nettie a... was, this is... to be fair, Nettie was genuinely excited when she found out that she was in the running to be in the squad for the Olympics. I mean, obviously, but, you know, when they get the shortlist and all that sort of stuff, she was like, I hope I can work out a way to go visit, you know. So it was, for her, um, equally important because, you know, she was finally going to be in the same part of the world. And and so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you've got this quote, she goes saying that... Um, that obviously things didn't go my way in the bike racing, and I was a bit down that night, but... When you get to do something like this and see what an impact you can have by doing something small on someone else's life, for someone else's life, it's enlightening. So it was just like, you know, they're talking about like the school three years ago, the kids would get electrocuted if they touched the wall when it was raining. But it's been done up and it's, it's you know, and, and which, the girl that she's which been... Which is fucking difficult in a tropical climate, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Vanessa turns 18 and works for a youth group that to help improve uh, to help improve her community and it's like that's just that's just i isn't that a good story it is a good story it is even you can't find anything negative in that story well no not not in that story as long as it's restricted to that as long as no one says anything foolish like this is what the olympics are about then um i totally agree it's a beautiful story it's a great story yeah 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 feeling good feel good story of the night or morning, yeah. I guess, in your time zone. Okay, how far do you think we can get through the race right, in the summer? So, races? All right, uh, let's go Route de France. Prologue was crashes. one Crashes! By... No, right, right. Route de France, how many crashes? Holy shit. 
I if I would was a rider, I probably wouldn't go to the Route de France just because holy shit, how many crashes! That it was ridiculous. Yeah. The number of riders. I think Fletcher Mackay broke a shoulder blade. Yep. Um, another rider, I can't remember. Oh god, one of the Belgians. I'm so sorry, I can't remember her name. Has like ridiculous levels of injuries. It was just stupid. All you could hear about was crash, 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 crash. But you do the results. A lot of crashes. So a prologue was won by Amy Peters, Sarah Roy in second, Fletcher Mackay. In third, that obviously sets up the GC for the first stage. Stage one was run by, won by Eugenia Bujak for BTC City Ljubljana, um, with Fletch Mackay in second, Amy Peters in third, but it was a bunch sprint, so Sarah Roy was in fifth, and the GC didn't change. Stage two was won by Roxanne Fournier for Poitou Charentes Futuroscope 86. Second was Fletch Mackay, and third was Chloe Hosking, GC unchanged. Stage three... Chloe Hosking won. Um, yeah, for Wheel High Five. Elise Del Zen was in second for Lotto Sudal, and Roxanne Fournier was in third. Is that the one where Fletcher crashed out? That was the one where Fletcher crashed out. So we got oh. the first change on GC. So Amy Peters in first, Sarah Roy in second, 10 seconds back, and in third, Ord Bianic for Portoy uh, Charentes. Portoy Charentes. Yep. Yeah. Um, Charente. Stage four was Portoy the... Charente. Stage four was the ITT. Um, which was the next big shakeup on GC because it was stompity stomp stomped by US's Amber Nevin riding for B Pink. Um, Taylor Wiles for the US and riding for Orica came in second, 33 seconds back, and Amy Peters came in third. We all high five at 55. Changed the GC around a bit though because Amber took over the lead. Um, and Amy Peters moved down to second at 32 seconds behind, and Taylor Wiles into third at a minute seven. Uh, stage five, Amber Nevin continued her winning ways, proving that the ITT wasn't just her, her only trick. Um, Janneke Ensing for Park Hotel Valkenberg in second, and Carly Taylor for Liv Planter in third. Um, Amber stayed in first on GC, Taylor Wiles moved into second, and Amy Peters moved into third. Uh, stage six, Eugenia Bujak once again on the top step of the podium. Lex Albrecht riding for B Pink was in second, and Amelie Rivat for Poitou Charentes Futuroscope 86. Pretend I'm holding a cigarette when I say that. Um, <laughs> Amy Peters dropped out of the GC podium on stage six, so we now have Amber Nevin, Taylor Wiles, and Eugenia. She crashed out, I think, as yeah, well. I think yeah. Amy Peters also had hideous crasheries because, holy fuck, it's the route to France. Exactly. Ugh. So the final stage was won by Roxanne Fournier with Sophia Bertzenzolo for Astana and Chiara Steins for Liv Planter in second and third for the stage. The GC remained unchanged from stage six, so Amber Nevin took the overall. Taylor Wiles finished 57 seconds back in second and Eugenia Bujak at 1.58. That was the route to France. Uh, shortly thereafter, over in Norway, we had another... Another little bit of a stage race. One of my favourite races in the world, and it had a great, amazing social media, and they were streaming it live. It's just a shame. I mean, it's a shame because you Norway is such a fantastic race, but it did get a little bit um, overshadowed by the wonderful Olympics, it's, and I'm gutted. I'm gutted that you, I can't. Yeah, it's hard when you're running up against the, the, the once-every-four-years multi-billion-dollar budgeted event. So. But, 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 if you, like me, missed the most of Norway, not only do they have great highlights online, you can also watch the, the videos of the race because it's, it's beautiful, it's gorgeous, it's, it's mm. stunning. The organisers are lovely. And it is, it is pers- beautiful, beautiful racing. 
So just quickly, uh, Nicole Hanselman for Cervelo Bigler won the first stage with Talita de Jong in second and Lucinda Brand. Nine seconds back. Nine seconds back and then 14 seconds to Lucinda Brand. Uh, Stage two was won by Lucinda. um, And second was Susan. Yes. And then in second was Susan Anderson. uh, Sorry, Suzanne Anderson riding for the Norway team. Who's still a junior. Yeah. And in third, Talita de Jong. Um, and they were 56 seconds back. Uh, so the GC at stage two was Lucinda in first, Talita 57 seconds back, and Nicole Hanselman one minute back. Uh, stage three, Anuska Costa for Rabo Liv won the stage. Um, Emily Moberg and uh, Christina uh, for High Tech and Christina Sigard for Team BMS Bian. Uh, in third, Talita de Jong was in fourth, and that matters because in the GC, Lucinda Brand um, still held on, but her lead shrunk a little. Uh, Talita finished the GC 30, uh, 45 seconds back, uh, and Anuska Costa in third. Um, interesting make, that make it was an a... all-Dutch, all-Rabo podium. Yes, all-Dutch, all-Rabo Rabo fun times. Interesting because Lucinda Brand has signed for Balls Dolmans next year, uh, as has, um, which is interesting. No, sorry, not blah, 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 blah. Lucinda Brand signed for Live Planteur next year. Uh, Anna van der Breger has left Rabo Live and is signed for Balls Dolmans next year too. Uh, so for Balls, um, Brand has gone to Live, and Ellen van Dyke is moving from Balls to Live Planteur too, mm. which is going to be interesting because. It looks like, A, Liv Plantura is taking a massive step up, but B, what the fuck's happening to Rabo Liv next year? Yeah, exactly. And that is, um, I mean... I think... It does look like it's going to be a kind of de- team of development riders and Mariana Voss and, any, and, and, and anyone who stays there, really. It's yeah. really, really... But we'll talk about that next week. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more news to come about that exactly. But yeah, these early moves are certainly making it uh, one to, to watch closely. Uh, we also had the Vigorda World Cup on um, just recently. No, World Tour. Uh, World Tour, yes, sorry. Yes, um, in, in a past you know timeline, it would have been a cup. Um, so obviously the first event and the, the one that we, uh, always, uh, keen to watch is the team time trial. Um, and it was a pretty interesting team time trial this time around. I mean, it always is, but it's interesting just to, to see, you know, who's strong and who's not. And also I think this year, cause it is colored by people having been at the Olympics and just coming back and stuff. So yeah, um, Cervelo Bigler led at the first time check six seconds faster than Bolt. Which is extraordinary. Yeah, and um, 32 seconds faster than Rabo Liv, 50 seconds faster than Canyon Sram. So... And Canyon Sram in the past have won this. Basically, um, basically, can, uh, first of all, it was Cervelo Test Team who won it for like three years in a row. Then um, then when they started going down, it was HTC High Road, which, is, which became uh, specialised... Lululemon, yep. and then it became Velocio Sram, and Canyon Sram is pretty much Velocio Sram, but with a change of ownership, as there was some kind of coup uh, last year. Yeah. But so Ronnie Lauka, who was the DS, is now the boss, yeah. uh, the owner, uh, maybe the owner, and yeah, and Canyon Sram, yeah. Uh, yeah, so traditionally they're the team that you'd look to, but um, yeah, to see them that far back was was definitely an eyebrow lift. 
Um, and to see and to see Cervello that far forward, yeah, I mean, yeah. because they've got, they've got not, although they've got the same sponsor, they're nothing to do with the Cervello test team. Mm. Maybe they have a little bit well, actually to do with Cervello test team. But even, so, but even so, but the second time check, that had sorted itself out a little bit in in terms of what we would normally expect to see. In that Bowles had made up the deficit and had the fastest time. They were thirty-seven fifty-two through the second marker. Um, and in the end, Bowles held on and, and won the team time trial in 51.43, uh, and Cervello Bigler held on for second, but actually wound up 37 seconds behind them. Yeah, and, and Bowles have wanted this win for a very long time, since, mm. they've, since they kind of became Bowles Dolmans, um, since they stepped it up. They've really wanted this win. Yeah. And it's interesting because it often... This well, basically, this race predicts who's going to win the world world well, championships, which in the past has been. Yeah, yeah, and and you would have always, you know, I mean, for years the joke was, you know, who who could challenge Canyon Sram, or their very various incarnations. Mm. Um, so this time round, Rabo Live were in third at one sixteen, and Canyon Sram were in fourth at one forty one, and Wiggle High Five were actually really close to them at one forty five and fifth. So. Um, yeah, that was extraordinary. Certainly, very, very uh, interesting. I can only assume. Well, I don't know because when you look at Bowles Dolmans, they finished with Chantal Black, um, not Olympics. Evelyn Stevens, Caroline Canuela, and Ellen Van Dyke were at the Olympics, mm. and Kasia Palowska not at the Olympics. Uh, you look at Cervelo Bigler and. All of their uh, Ashley Milman Passio, Lotta Lepisto, and jo- Joel Newmanville were in the road race, and Stephanie Pohl was in the track. Because you look at Rabo Live and go, well, Anna van der Brega, well, she just won gold, and Mariana Voss, and yeah, but like, there's no, there's no kind of Olympic excuse really. No. The interesting thing, the interesting thing is that Canyon Schram didn't finish with, and I don't know whether they started with uh, Lisa Brenauer. So they have got some of their big ITT stars missing. So they finished with Trixie Warwick, Hannah Barnes, Eleanor Cecchini, and Tiffany Cromwell. And out of those, Trixie Warwick is has been in every one of their winning uh, TTT squads uh, at Worlds. But mm. it's interesting. It's yeah, interesting. Yeah. I don't think that was Canyon's best. No, best. exactly. I don't know that they put their best foot forward on that. But at the same time, it, it's, it is just one of those. I, but I mean, still, I mean, look at, look at, look at Savannah Bigler. Savannah Bigler on paper shouldn't have you know, shouldn't be beating Rabo Live on paper. And that's what makes it so interesting and what it's going to make the world championships really, really, really exciting. So I'm happy. I'm happy. It's, it's, <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Well, that's, that's really ultimately all that matters. As long as you're happy, Sarah, I'm happy. So uh, all good in the Bastard. hood, as they say. Oh, really? I'm a bastard for that. Okay, cool. Hey, you remember how at the Tour of Norway, Nicole Hanselman won the first stage? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, interestingly enough, when it came to the road race in Bogota, Nicole also went for a bit of a 30k flyer uh, solo to to try and shake the race up a bit, which um, was kind of fun and exciting for the early part of the race. But um, you know, she couldn't stay away as the peloton got close to um, you know how they do the big loop and then it's circuits basically round the town. To... No, this is a different. This is a different course. It's a different course because normally they just do. Um, loop, 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 loop. So it's like, whoa, this is this is bizarre. What have you done with Vigorda? I was stupid. I thought it finished. I thought it started at 11 o'clock. It was on Eurosport. It finished at 11 o'clock. So I caught the last seven minutes. Awesome. Well, I'm sure that was I'm seven an arsehole. Highly entertaining minutes. 
They really were highly entertaining. Well, anyway, as they got close to the, the circuits that they were doing to, to finish, um, a group of nine managed to break away from the, the peloton, and um, that was Amy Peters, Maria Giulia Confalonieri, Confalonieri, Hannah Barnes, Amanda Spratt, Julia Souk, uh, Emilia Forlin, Shara Gillo, Lotta Lepisto, and Chantel Black. So pretty solid Fuck group. Fuck me, what an amazing break. Yeah, like that's that's a pretty wicked group. Um, and it was interesting because A, they never really got more than a couple of minutes away from the peloton, but B, because it's an amazing group and because the teams are so incredibly well represented across that group, like we've got Wiggle High Five, uh, Canyon Sram, Orica, Liv Planter, L.A. Cipollini, Rabo Liv, Savello Bigler, Bowles, um, and Lensweld Zanata all represented. Um, it was a shit fight back in the peloton for anyone to try and organize a chase because everyone yeah. was just like shrugging and going, eh, I got someone up there. And so. also, what an amazing, I mean, you sit there and you go, right, Hannah Barnes, is this going to be her first big sprint win? Mm. Um, Spratty is just fantastic and fun. Probably not a good sprinter, but, you know, you sit there and you go, okay, this is, this is, this is exciting. Yep. Uh, Lotta Lepisto, one of the best sprinters in the world. Chantal Black had already won two of the uh, sprints in the, to, in the to, sorry, sprinter to win two of the world tour races in Ronda Van Drenta and also Hent with Elga, in which she won solo. Uh, Amy Peters, back off her crash from Route de France mm-hmm. for Wiggle High Five. That's a fuck ton of amazing sprinters there. It and really, really that's is. A group. And that's so why it was obviously... so weird that it didn't come down to a sprint finish. It did come down to a sprint finish. I, that was the joke. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it no, did come cool. down. Although riders try to ping off like all the time, they came in. And the funny thing, the interesting thing was, is as they came into the last corner, I don't know what happened, but Hannah Barnes completely messed up her entry into the sprint. Like I think she went, she just went the long way around the corner, and went from being right at the front of the group to right at the back. And it's just like, wow, that's unusual. But it's especially unusual because they've been doing loops of the circuit. So, you know, uh, it was yeah, just a bad... Yeah, like she bad, didn't know where it was. Yeah. Just like a bad mistake. But what happens in the fin- in the end? Well, and then, you know, I, I mean, it's an adage that we joke about from time to time. But when it comes to women's cycling, it's always good to have this sort of um, this rule ready to hand. When in doubt, attack. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and so Amelia Forlin did. Um, before anyone was expecting it and uh, and managed to uh, get a, enough room to stay away. Uh, they chased really, really hard, but Amelia crossed the line first ahead of Lotta Lepisto and Chantal Black uh, to win the World Tour race. I am so happy for Amelia Forlin. So it's Amelia Forlin, Lotta Lepisto, Chantal Black, Amy Peters, Maria Giulia, Confanlonieri, Hannah Barnes in sixth. Now, those top six, with uh, Confanlonieri is two seconds behind, Barnes three seconds behind. Now those those five riders behind her are could be at the front of a sprint, yep. you know, of a, of a bunch sprint anywhere. Emilia Forlin is not known for her bunch sprinting, and but she's been attacking all season mm, for mm. Um, for for Ali Cipollini, and it's not paid off. But you can just see she won the most aggressive rider at the Viva Women's Tour. Yep. She's just been going and going and going, and of course. Forlene is Swedish. Exactly. This is the Swedish round of the world tour. It's never been won by a Swede before. So, you know, like all kinds of happy, basically, is what we're saying. Forlene hasn't won a race since um, she was the national champion of Sweden in 2013. But before that, her last UCI race that she won was um, three stages at the Tour de l'Ardèche back in 2011. 
Amazing. Four stages. Four stages back in 2011. Now, Forlene for a long time was this incredible lead-out rider for HTC High Road and Specialized Lululemon. Mm. But she left to go to high-tech products um, in 2013. She signed to Wiggle Honda in 2014, where she was there for two years. And this year she went to LA to try and get some more chances of her own. But her results don't show how how amazingly attacky she's been all season. Like, she's had... She was um, fourth in a stage at Tour de San Luis. She was um, fifth at the Drenze Acht. She was fourth in the Auensteiner Radsportage Stage 1. She was fifth in Stage 2 of the Turingen Rundfahrt. She supported Emma Johansson beautifully to ride in the... to get to, to, to Emma Johansson's silver in the road race. But... But her results don't show her, her palmares don't show how many times she's attacked. And mm, so for yeah. it to work, for it to work in the Swedish round of the world tour, yeah. her first UCI win since 2011, you know, that's just yep, yep. It's five just, years. It's just awesome. It's just really nice to, um, to, I mean, it's always good, you know, when you see, uh, you know, writers that you like and you know have been putting in those kind of efforts all year long get their rewards, you know? And um, yeah. and just, you know, like you say, it's a happy podium. It's a podium that you, you just like, yes, that's awesome. Great result for everyone. There's everyone, everyone who's there has a great reason for being there and it's really cool. And it's just super nice that it happens to be the Swedish World Tour race, you know, and like, like it's just all kinds of things coming together at once to make it a very happy victory for Amelia, I'm yeah. sure. And I'd, and I'd seen Amelia cheering about Emma Johansson's silver medal, and then she'd been cheering for Jenny Risved's gold medal well, in the mountain bike. She also had my favourite tweet before even the time trial about Vagorda, where, like, you know, got to town, like, the day before the time trial or whatever, and there was a tweet from Amelia that morning going, woken up this morning for a doping control. My hotel did give them my room number. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia Fallin never pulls her punches on Twitter. She's always the rider to kind of make some snarky comments about riders being dragged uphill by motorbikes and riders. You know, she's always she's she's quick to praise, but she's also doesn't hold back for being um for being a bit snarky. So yeah, I think we're going to stop there, Dan. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess we we're do. way over an hour. Yeah, we are. We are definitely um, over an hour. Can I just tell people, um, no. GP de Plouet, GP de Plouet is on this weekend. It's the penultimate round of the World Tour. It's always an amazing race. I All think right. it's going to be live. I'll put up how to watch it on the blog, awesome. prowomenscycling.com. I will try to get some video up on the blog, prowomenscycling.com, but it might take a couple of uh, hours. Um, but yes, yeah. thank you for listening. As always, I do one last thing I wanted to note off the back of Agorda as well, just quickly, is that with that um, result set, it's now become mathematically impossible for anyone to pass Megan Guarnier. So she will be the winner of the first inaugural Women's World Tour. Wow, bowls. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, they made it look, un- they look, they looked unstoppable. Mm. They mm. are, they were fantastic. I don't know if Megan Guarnier is even going to ride Plouet, but, you know. Yeah, but what an amazing it's... season and what an amazing year for her as well. So, you know, yeah. congratulations and well-deserved. is going to be awesome, though. Um, we will be back, of course, to talk more next week. Um, you know, we'll promise to be quick and we'll find out together next week whether or not we'll actually keep our promise. 
<laughs> in the meantime, if you'd like to hit Sarah up on Twitter, you can find her at underscore pigeons underscore. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash women's cycling and commit yourself to awesomeness and happiness by donating a small contribution regularly to help Sarah with all the work that she does to keep us informed about this sport, which we love. And if you want to talk to Dan, um, talk to him at Dan W Official on Twitter because he's awesome and lovely and everyone should love Dan. <laughs> Good revenge, Connolly. Good revenge. <laughs>